This is the PSA Podcast, where we deep dive into the business of technology and automation. Hello, and welcome back to the PSA Podcast, where we deep dive into the business of technology and automation. I'm your host, Joe Redding, the Director of Sales and Business Development at Production Systems Automation, PSA for short, and I'm happy to be co-hosting with my tag team partner, Marty Wolf. You can find more information about PSA Systems at www.psasystems.com. So good morning, Marty. How are you doing? Hey, I'm terrific, Joe. Uh, congratulations on uh, coming on with the podcast. It's a thrill to be with you on this one. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, this is my first podcast, and it, if that's not exciting enough, uh, I'm just really happy to have uh, as my first guest not only a peer or a colleague, but a, a, a what I consider a friend in Scott Mazzullo. So today we're joined by Scott Mazzullo, and Scott is the president and CEO of the Hobart Institute of Welding and Technology based in Troy, Ohio, where he spent the last 10 years of his career in multiple leadership roles that ultimately helped define the Institute's overall business vision, strategy, and direction. Hey, Scott, how you doing, my friend? <laughs> Sounds good, Joe. Doing really well. How are you? I'm doing fantastic. Uh, thanks for joining us today. Uh, we're going to have a pretty good show, uh, but before we get too far down the road, I'd also like to introduce uh, real quickly the Hobart Institute of Welding Technology to the audience, okay? So the Hobart Institute of Welding Technology is a nonprofit institution dedicated to welding training and education excellence. The Institute educates and trains individuals in the use and application of welding technologies. It develops and disseminates welding training and educational materials and conducts certification research and qualifications for the welding industry. The long-range mission of this institution is to be the premier welding institute worldwide. To learn more about the Hobart Institute of Welding Technology, you can visit their website at www.welding.org. Okay. <laughs> How does that sound, Scott? <laughs> that, that's a quite a lengthy mission statement, I got to tell you. Uh, but... You know, when we, you've been around as long as we have, uh, you're bound to continue to add to those mission statements. So uh, uh, it's uh, it's pretty lengthy, but sounds great. Thank you so much for that introduction. Absolutely. So not um, everybody may not know this, but here's an interesting fact for our listeners. Not only is Scott the president and CEO of the Hobart Institute of Welding, he's also a graduate. So I Scott, am. tell us a little bit more about that and uh, and how your love for arc welding helped shape your career path. Oh my gosh. Yeah. I'd love to. It's, uh, um, it, it's just been a blessing to be honest with you. I got in, uh, I started taking welding in high school and, uh, my high school welding teacher in Tucson, Arizona, he, uh, he actually graduated from the school and he taught all of us, uh, in the high school program to the Hobart Institute curriculum. So when I was going through high school, I decided, Hey, uh, I might be pretty good at this welding thing. So, uh, I decided I wanted to be a welder. And uh, found out that the Hobart Institute was still in business after all those years back then, and uh, traveled to uh, Troy, Ohio, and uh, where I got my uh, studies. My first job out of here was a pipe welder, um, traveling the country doing various shutdowns uh, throughout the country at uh, doing incinerators, uh, refinery work, power plants, uh, etc. But uh, um, and then just kind of segued from that, uh, kind of got off the road somewhat got into uh, robots and automation and got into programming and installation and service. Uh, and then uh, that just kind of transitioned into uh, 
sales and sales engineering and sales management. And then, uh, but even throughout my entire career, I always kind of came back to the school to give uh, presentations and talks to uh, uh, the student body. So uh, that I developed a relationship with the school. And then in 2011, came here on a succession plan, uh, did uh, director and vice president roles for about three years and then uh, became president in uh, 2014. And it's been uh, uh, just been a fantastic ride. Well, that, that's fantastic. Yeah, I know we have a little history ourselves, too, which spans yeah. back a, a decade or so, maybe a little bit more than that. So, um, yeah, it's it's a it's nice to see how, you know, you come from the the welding industry and follow that career path, you know, from under the hood till now running an organization that really tries to get more individuals under the hood because it's certainly a, a needed career, right? Uh, in the skill oh. skill set of arc welding. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a great purpose. And, uh, you know, the school's uh, slogan is basically to educate and inspire. And, uh, and that really comes from the staff, but, uh, but seeing individuals get into this business at the very tip of the spear, most of them have never welded in their life. Uh, to see them progress through the program, get employed, and then enter the career uh, and into our industry. It's just been a, uh, just been a good blessing seeing uh, hundreds and hundreds of those students do that. That's fantastic. Well, why don't you tell us just a little bit about the Institute? And we got your, a little bit of your background, but some of the history and just uh, the ins and outs of the Institute. Could you do that for us? Yeah. So, you know, we talked about the mission statement and I made the comment that, uh, you know, when you've been around as long as we have, uh, the mission statement has a tendency to grow. But uh, uh, but yeah, this school was founded in 1930 uh, by Hobart Brothers. Um, and it was actually formulated as a, as a sales pitch. I know, Joe, you and I kind of come from a little bit of a, a strong sales background, but, but back in the 30s, they were selling advanced welding machines and uh, people were buying them, but they were hesitant about the technology because it was new. So they basically said, hey, if you buy machines from us, we'll train you to f for free. Uh, so some free training turned into an opportunity to sell training. And then that's kind of how the school uh, got started. And then in 1940, uh, they decided to make the school a nonprofit. Uh, so it was chartered a 501c3 then, and uh, uh, it's been that way since uh, 1940. But the school is a complete accredited program. So really what that means is, uh, you know, the school's able to accept uh, financial aid dollars, Pell Grant dollars, student loan monies, and those sort of things. So um, schools came a long way. There's been a lot of great stewards behind me and uh, just excited about the next generation that's going to continue to, uh, to train the uh, world's greatest welders out of the school. Excellent. So what about the facility and the labs? How many number of labs and the type of labs, the, the type of processes that are being uh, trained there, uh, yeah. certificates? Can you just expand on that a little bit? Yeah. So, you know, one of the things that makes us really who we are is 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 this this incredible campus. So we sit on, uh, as you mentioned, we're located in Troy, Ohio, which is about an hour north of Cincinnati, basically the Dayton, Ohio area. But but we sit on 13 acres. We got two buildings, um, about 160,000 square feet. Uh, we got 50 employees, uh, 24 uh, skill instructors, and then we have six technical instructors. We have 19 classrooms. We have over 350 welding stations on campus. Uh, we currently reside uh, roughly about 330, 340 students uh, average per day. Um, our students, the demographics, uh, the students come from all over the country. 
um, to attend uh, what we call this is a career college. So really what a career college is, is in the education industry, you have, you have universities, and then you have community colleges, and then you have a category called career colleges. And career colleges basically just uh, focus on short-term programs, normally 12 months or less, and we're focused on the job placement of those students. So, uh, but what's unique is our students, uh, as I mentioned, they come from all over the country, but they start every four weeks and they graduate every four weeks. So it's constantly a revolving mm -hmm. door and they go five days a week. It's literally a job while they're here, Monday through Friday, eight to four. Um, and then we also run a second shift as well. So uh, it's very busy around here. It's kind of a welder junkies paradise around here, but, uh, <laughs> uh, but certainly uh, invite any, uh, any listeners out there to, uh, uh, to come out and take a tour of this campus. Yes, that's a good segue. So if a listener is interested in learning more about the Hobart Institute of Welding Technology, how can they get in touch with you or your team? Oh, gosh. Yeah. So obviously you, you uh, rattled our uh, website right off the beginning. So wel uh, welding.org would, uh, would be a great place to start. Um, uh, or they can just mainly call the number. There's a team of career development reps. We have a group of five um, and they, uh, they, they are on the phones. Um, they're out visiting students, they're out visiting schools, giving them presentations. So if you just call into the main number, uh, 937-332-9500, uh, they can connect you with the career development team and, uh, answer any and all those questions. Oh, excellent. So you mentioned earlier about your instructors, uh, and I'm sure the, the instructors have a lot to do with the success of an institute, you know, like what you have there, especially when it's so driven to a, sp a specific process. Where, where do you yeah. find your instructors? Yeah, so so yeah, you're absolutely right. The instructors are really what uh, really what make this place. Uh, the entire team does a good job, but uh, you know our customers or students uh, are the ones that uh, uh, that touch all these instructors across the board. So finding them, you know, we've been, I would say about eighty percent of our instructor population is an alumnus of the school, so they've all graduated from the program. So our alumni base is a really nice, robust feeder system for us. Um, so, uh, you know, it's nice because we have access to the records. We know what kind of student they were. We know what kind of uh, welder they were. We know how they pass tests. We know what kind of soft skills they have. So it really gives us a good start. Uh, so if we can find alumni, they really know what the school has done for them and where they came from. So it's really a win-win if we keep that robust pipeline open. Great. Mm -hmm. so you know, now to the, the, the business, right, of arc welding, that what you see out in the actual world, uh, you know, there's always, there seems to be this negative trend with, you know, what I, what I call placing or even replacing those skilled uh, trades in the manual welding. Uh, what, what are you seeing in the industry? Are, are you on, do you have the pulse of the industry and what's happening? You know, um, I would, you know, we, here, here's a good, yeah, this is really a good question. So, couple things. We are really connected with a ton of employers. So just this morning, I knew we were going to do this podcast, which I'm thankful for, but I went out and looked at our active job board. Right now, our active job board has 276 employers and we have 1,399 positions available for these students. That is an astronomical amount. There's no way we can fill those, uh, especially by ourselves. Uh, so the job market is really, really strong our job placement rate out of our school 
is about 94% or not is, it is 94% job placement rate. So, so not only do we have a lot of opportunities available, but these students are really taking advantage of those opportunities. And that's just testament that the education that we're giving these students is working because these employers are hiring. Now, we talk about in terms of what you're asking, sort of trending, uh, which is difficult to find places for these students to go. Um, you know, this industry has such a, and Joe, you know this better than most too, this industry has such an incredible shortage and a high demand for welders. Um, you, you know, a lot of that comes from, you know, just the tail end of the baby boomers now, right. uh, you know, where you're, you're looking at age 57 to 75, um, you know, so the youngest baby boomers are really starting to come to full retirement. So what's next up on the deck are the millennials. The millennials in terms of pure volume, uh, I think millennials are about 73 million versus baby boomers and that 75 to 77 million. But uh, so the millennials are certainly that next renewable pool, uh, but that is a great sign for welding programs or colleges across the country as well. So uh, excited about the pipeline coming in. We just need to do a better job getting out in front of career and technical trade programs at high schools and JVSs and CTCs and so forth. Uh, even at the high school level with ag programs, uh, the industry just needs to do a better job getting down at that level and uh, just telling them about careers in welding. Yeah, I, I agree because I often, oh, I went to a high school that had a, a very nice like shop, right? You could go to shop class, right? And, yeah. And, and actually now New Oxford High School's shop is probably one of the premier ones in York and Adams County, Pennsylvania. Uh, they've done a fantastic job there. And it, and I really think it's very important, to your point, is to get into that that uh, first level high school, you know, even in the junior high level. And and I think it starts with the, the schools themselves to understand that a career path in a skilled trade is just as good, if, if not even better at times, than, you know, going to, to college, perhaps, and, and trying to get that four-year degree and then unknowing of what's to come for you in the future. Because as you pointed out, I mean, you have a, a phenomenal placement rate, right, coming out of, of your school. Yes. So, you know, there's an opportunity to step right out into a very, a very nice position, uh, you know, and start adding value into the marketplace. Well, you know, the worst thing any young man or young woman can do is nothing, right? So welding is a great career path, but, you know, but we really encourage these students to do something, right? And, uh, but, but we've seen, you know, with the market and the economy being the way it is and, and manufacturing needing individuals, we've seen increased pressure at the high school level, trying to make these high school teachers, these high school ag teachers, these high school welding teachers to make them career ready, leaving school at 17 and 18 years uh, of age. I think it's a little detrimental, but that's just the desperation that manufacturing is really looking at right now. Um, you know, these students, you know, they get minimal contact hours at the high school level uh, that nowhere near prepares them for the versatility of jobs that are out there. Sure, mm -hmm. they, they may be able to get a job doing MIG welding at a local factory, but they don't have the skill set in TIG, stick, even at advanced levels or welding pipe that the industry really, really desperately needs. Mm -hmm. You know, so we've seen that time and time again. Good for the employers, uh, but certainly... Uh, uh, not the best scenario for students leaving the high school realm. Yeah. Have you guys done anything to, to alter your curriculum 
uh, to keep up with with trends and uh, technology advancements. You know, it, I come from not only just a, a an industrial uh, welding, you know, industrial gases, filler metals, you know, manual power supplies, but into robots and automation. Are, are you doing anything in, in the robotic realm where you're getting certifications or teaching students to to a program and, and run robots to do arc welding? Or is it strictly just manual? Yeah. So so two two parts to your question, I think. So so first would be on the curriculum piece. So so this school is focused right now one hundred percent on manual welding, right? Uh, we do a lot of career development stuff in, in welding certifications and certified welding inspectors and, and that sort of stuff. But in our skill welding piece of the business, uh, we have had to alter our curriculum because of contact hours. Because what we've seen is a shift in trends of the majority of employers looking for stick welders uh, to the majority of weld manufacturers moving their processes to MIG and TIG. So we were a little imbalanced where our contact hour program was a little heavy in stick welding. So, uh, so we went through and revamped our entire programs to tone down the amount of shielded metal arc and we increased the amount of gas metal arc and gas tungsten arc, mainly in thin gauge material and heavy plate material as well. So so we've seen that shift that, uh, that shielded metal arc welding is is certainly on the decline. Gas metal arc welding, flux core, metal core, et cetera, is, is, uh, is on the rise, including uh, gas tungsten. But in terms of robots and automation, uh, no, we do not touch that right now. But what we have seen is we have provided many graduates into jobs becoming welding technicians uh, for robot-based companies, uh, OEMs and robot integrators alike. And that's great. So what they get from you is the foundation of un deeply understanding those processes, which then they can transcend or take that information. And, and if they wanted to get into the more technical side of using robotic automation or even some semi-automated automation, they're able to do that, you know, quite easily because really it comes down to understanding the processes and what it takes to put to put a good weld down, right? Yeah, uh, the rest of it is is learned techniques of as far as programming goes, which any robot OEM can can teach for sure from that perspective. So yeah, so in a sense that you are preparing them, you know, for the future, if that future would entail getting into into an area of robotics or automation with this process. Yeah, yeah, you're right. You know, because a couple things, you know, a we don't product train. And two, we don't teach experience. But what I have found with the robot automation jobs is uh, a lot of the students that we've placed at robot, robot OEMs and uh, integrators have been older, mature students like military veterans. Um, those guys have been placed really easy uh, for the more advanced roles because the younger welders, uh, let's say you're graduating from the program at age 19 or 20, they're true hard as they want to weld. Um, you get an older welder, maybe in the 30s and the 40s, graduating from the program. Uh, they seem to come with some experience, so they're ready for maybe a little bit more advanced, more challenging roles. So, we, you know, we've placed, uh, you know, we've placed guys at ABB. We've placed them at Yaskow. We've placed them at OTC. We've placed them at uh, ACF. You know, so they're they're all over the place. So really, you don't. There's no real so quote unquote perfect candidate to come to your school, right? I mean, it's 
It could be some young woman or, or young man coming out of high school, uh, as you mentioned, maybe coming out of the military and looking to expand on the skill set. So really, you're, are you even looking towards individuals that are uh, maybe have lost a job or, or now they're looking to try a new skill set to get into a new area that then they're trying to expand on their knowledge base or, or get a new skill set? Is, is it all those combined? Um, it is, um, you know, the, the perfect candidate for us is all candidates, right? So everybody's perfect to get in the welding industry. Um, you know, to enter the school, uh, the only restriction is you must have a high school diploma or a GED. So anything after that category is going to be just perfect for us. But we are, uh, yeah, to your point, though, we are proactive uh, in trying to recruit women, uh, trying to recruit military veterans, uh, second chance adults. Uh, career shifters, um, because you know the, weld, the welding industry just needs more, right? So, uh, if somebody has a, a desire uh, to pick up the skill, you know, we're certainly willing to learn. We're also trying to be pretty proactive on uh, like the Workforce Development Act. So, we're really active with companies that are uh, forecasting layoffs. So, we're trying to get in front of those human resource groups to say, you know, hey, if there is a downsizing effort coming in your pipeline. Uh, we would like to get in front of that group to give them the opportunity to to get retrained. Great. So why don't you uh, tell us how they can get a hold of your team again, uh, the website and phone number? Yeah, website, uh, www.welding.org, uh, or they can just call the main line at 937-332-9500, and they can get a hold of the career development team uh, and anybody on that team. There's always a couple of them in-house, so... Uh, they can answer any questions, set up a tour, uh, however they want to learn more, they can. Joe, if I can jump in, Joe, just because a question that's been, I've written, I've written it down and I'm anxious to ask Scott. Um, what should we be sharing with parents and grandparents who may still be thinking that this is not a good trade? They don't want their children or grandchildren to do this stuff. Is that still going on in the world? And, and what... If we had parents or grandparents listening to this, what would we want to tell them? Yeah, I, yeah, that's that's really a good question, and th that that's a whole conversation in itself. But I I would say parents and grandparents. Number one is, is make sure that the student follows what they really want to do first and foremost. Secondly, if they're going to get in, if they have the least bit interest in getting into welding, make sure they get into a good welding school. Doesn't have to be my school. Look at your certain geographics where you live, uh, look in your local area, area if you want to, but get into a good welding program uh, and then enter the workforce. Uh, um, but make sure they do something. Uh, make sure they don't do nothing is really the, the, the message. And we talk to hundreds and hundreds of parents and students uh, a year. Uh, we'll visit over uh, even pre-COVID and now it's actually picking back up. But you know, we'll get out and we'll give 200, 250 presentations in a given year. We'll talk to uh, you know, six, 7,000 students uh, on a given year. So, uh, so we hear this, uh, this story quite a bit. So, yeah. And, yeah. So you hear that story. Um, and, and what are some of, what are their concerns to piggyback off of that? Cause, and I can kind of understand, I've, I've been in industry, right? So I, I know what you kind of preach uh, in the industry about the safety and, and some of the, or the hazards involved with arc. Ah. What, what do you say? What are the, some of the answers and certainly there's things that can be provided, right, that help safeguard the individual. So, and I'm sure you have that. So what do you tell the, the parent or the grandparent about, you know, what's being done in industry to, 
to uh, make sure the, the the guys are safe, the gals are safe. Yeah. So you know, there's 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 there are some facts to the old to some myths. You know, welding can be dark, it can be dangerous, it can be dirty. You blow black boogers at night, and all those sort of things. While <laughs> while the the industry certainly offers those type of harsh environments, that is hardly the norm, right? Mm -hmm. uh, so welding industry is a pretty big umbrella, but it is broken out in multiple, multiple segments. And Joe, you're well aware of this. So, you know, you can get into rail, you can get into aerospace, you can get into automotive, you can get into aeronautical, you can get into shipyards, uh, maritime, automotive. Um, and it's just, you know, our jobs here at the school are so diverse because they match the total diverse of our student population. Uh, so not the large group is just going into pipeline or not they're all just going into automotive, you know, they're going industry widespread. But while those, 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 those difficult environments do exist, those are farthest from the norm. Mm -hmm. uh, one thing that makes this campus really nice is when they come, you know, we'll have over 250 students generating arcs at the same time. And the place is very clean. Uh, you don't smell a whole lot of welding going on. You don't see a whole lot of welding going on because we got all the proper ventilation. We got the proper curtains up. Uh, we keep visitors a good distance from really what's going on. But uh, but it just looks really clean. And the, and the image of welding uh, is really important. And the, to your point, uh, but that, that requires all of us to continue to practice those good housekeeping measures. Yeah, sure. And, and even at the... Uh the employer side of it, right? The, the company has its duty to make sure that, that they're taking care of their employers too, because if they want to continue to attract, you know, that workforce, they need to make sure that their house is in order as well. And, and that's the job of, of uh, the, the sales aspect of the side of it to, to kind of, you know, try to teach a little bit or, or be that, that individual who helps guide those companies to the best practices. Right. So, yeah, I'm hoping that everything goes well. So I'm sure that you have some success stories. Uh, obviously, you're you're having a, a lot of students coming through, right? They're, you're graduating at a high level. So tell me some success stories that you have recently from placing you know, some of your students into the workplace. Oh my gosh, where do you start? Um, I guess I one real big one we talked about the other day, and I know I'm kind of familiar with it from York County. Why don't, you know what I'm talking about? Yeah. So, um, yeah, a really nice partner of ours is, is BAE Systems, a, a defense contractor. <clears throat> They've been coming and recruiting students for about two years now, even during uh, all of 2020 they came. Uh, but they have came and recruited uh, for locations such as uh, York, Pennsylvania, um, Louisville, Kentucky, Sumter, South Carolina, uh, and a plant in Texas, I forget, uh, I think that might be Denton, Texas, but uh, don't quote me on that. Uh, but they have hired uh, 44 graduates from our program, and they have been really successful. Matter of fact, we just took a trip out to York, sat down with 22 of our graduates that are actually on the job, and the feedback they gave us has been incredible. But those wages that they're providing, uh, plus relocation and sign-on bonuses, have been really, really positive for the staff, uh, for the graduates plus the experience that they're having on those campuses um, in York and in Louisville and in Sumter, South Carolina, uh, have just been, uh, uh, you just can't be more proud of that group of people that went to work for, for BAE. So really thankful for their, their involvement and, uh, and their partnership. So Great. Great. Those success stories are always a good way to like segue into wrapping up a podcast. So, But before we do that, I, I certainly want to give you the opportunity to uh, say anything that you may feel that we left out or you like to make mention? Is there 
anything left that you'd like to share with us? You know, I just just want to go back to uh, if you <clears throat> don't mind, I'd like to go back to the to the the parent and grandparent conversation. Um, a education for anybody is an investment. Uh, it's a smart investment that'll pay back for a lifetime. But I would also ha- encourage them to look at what a school's return on investment really is. So mm-hmm. by the time they're investing in their college, by the time they get out of college and start earning, what does that return on investment look like? There are thousands and thousands of individuals that have went to four-year, sometimes five-year programs that are just not working in those existing fields or those chosen fields, and they're doing it for a lot less money on something that they really didn't even go to school for. But a school like this or any good welding school, what we're finding here specifically at Hobart Institute is that for the tuition we for the tuition we charge versus the rates of pay they're leaving, we're at about a 10-month ROI payback. So uh, hmm. it's, it's really astronomical. So for the parents and grandparents, who's ever going to look at paying for the students' tuitions or go to school and all those other costs, really give return on investment a, uh, a look. Joe, if I can jump in again, obviously this is a hot topic for me. <laughs> I'm passionate about this. Um, so, Scott, the other part to add to that, and I know we want to wrap up, but the other part that I'd like to add to it is that, well, a couple of things, um, is that, hey, they do this. Do something. You said that four or five times during this interview. That That is so good. And do something. If you go into this field, you've got uh, a relatively small investment. You're going to make a good income. You potentially will travel. You'll have all kinds of wonderful experiences. And you do that for five years, and you and you want to do something different. Yes. Okay, that's fine. <laughs> if you want to go to a liberal arts school, do it. If you want to become an artist, do it. But, you know, do something. And this is a great place to build, to have. Well, first of all, it's a talent that you'll have for the rest of your life. It is. And, and, and the second part of it is that I think we don't talk enough about, Joe, forgive me for getting on my soapbox a little bit, but no, no, we ahead. don't talk enough about this is that these people are building America. They are. They, this, this, this has to be told to these students and to these, these grandparents. This is exciting stuff. I mean, especially what's going on in our world today from a political standpoint and infrastructure, you're going to be literally hands-on Building America. I find oh that very exciting, Scott. Oh, yeah. And, and every 90% of the things you touch in every given day of your life has touched welding in some way, shape, or form. So when your term is building America, you are absolutely right. These welders are building America every day they wake up and every night they go to sleep. So hats off to every one of them that are out there. Wow. Okay, Joe, Marty, I'm done. <laughs> Take over, Joe. <laughs> Marty, that's a way to bring it to a head right there. Boy, the, the excitement and enthusiasm there is awesome. No, no, I, I really appreciate it. And, and Scott, you know, hey, I really had a lot of fun doing this. Obviously, this is my first podcast and doing this, but it, it's uh, it's been fantastic. And I really want to thank you uh, for joining uh, Marty and I uh, on this very first podcast of mine. It's been a whole lot of fun, but uh, as we wrap it up, why don't you give us the website and phone number one more time, my friend, and then we'll get out of here. Sure. It's a www.welding.org, and it's O-R-G because we're a nonprofit status. So www.welding.org, 937-332-9500. That's excellent. Thanks again. Yeah, man. You guys are welcome. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you for listening to the PSA BizTech Podcast. The PSA BizTech Podcast is a production of Production Systems Automation. More information on this podcast and PSA can be found at p
PSASystems.com. That's PSASystems.com.